all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. What happens when your child is sick? Let's say they have a cold or something that just doesn't quite merit going to the doctor. When you go to your local pharmacy to see if there's anything that can take care of those symptoms, are you overwhelmed by all the, all the choices that are there? Which medications are the best? Are they safe for your child to take? Well, we'll be talking about common over-the-counter medications this morning and would love to hear your comments or questions about any health care issue that's involving your child or family. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The House Oversight Committee is in the midst of a hearing asking FBI Director James Comey about the investigation into Hillary Clinton's email server. NPR's Tamara Keith reports Comey's detailing why he did not recommend charges be filed. South Carolina Republican Trey Gowdy made sure to get Comey on the record, confirming the inconsistencies between what Clinton has said publicly about her email arrangement and what the FBI found in its investigation. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. But under questioning from another Republican congressman, Comey said there is no basis to conclude Clinton lied to the FBI. Tamara Keith, NPR News, Washington. Seeking to rally the Republican Party behind him heading into the National Convention this month, Donald Trump met with House Republicans this morning. The reviews reportedly are mixed. Congressman Adam Kinsinger of Illinois says there was a lack of enthusiasm in the gathering. However, Georgia Congressman Tom Price says he thinks Trump delivered a great unifying speech. For much of the campaign season, the GOP establishment has resisted Trump over rhetoric that has angered key voting blocks deemed as critical in the general election. The Department of Justice is considering the governor of Minnesota's request to investigate a police shooting of a black man during a traffic stop last night. The encounter, captured on cell phone video, has spurred anger, protests, and a call for an overhaul in how police interact with minority residents. Pastor Brian Heron of Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Minneapolis spoke out today. We have to have different kinds of training. We have to have different kinds of requirements. There has to be a mandate about police community relationships. The victim, Fulano Castillo, was seen on video bleeding and apparently falling unconscious with a police officer pointing a gun at him. The video was captured by Castillo's girlfriend, who'd repeatedly said that her boyfriend had been shot for no reason. There are some signs a job market has rebounded after a poor showing in May. NPR's Yuki Noguchi has the latest. The ADP Moody's report shows an addition of 172,000 jobs in June, which is a bigger number than expected. All of the job gains came in services as manufacturing and energy sectors continue to see weakness because of slow demand from overseas. 
Meanwhile, a separate Labor Department report shows less layoff activity. Initial claims for jobless benefits fell to 254,000, which was a better-than-expected showing. All of this points to a possible improvement over a very sluggish May. The government's monthly jobs report comes out Friday, and economists expect about 170,000 net new jobs, up from only 38,000 in May. Yuki Noguchi, NPR News, Washington. The Dow is down 18. This is NPR. After days of torrential rains, floodwaters have begun to recede in central and eastern China. NPR's Anthony Kuhn reports from Beijing the rains left more than 180 people dead or missing and forced more than a million people from their homes. Much of the worst flooding has been in cities along the Yangtze River, the country's longest. The central city of Wuhan, population 8 million, was inundated with 23 inches of rain in the last week, shutting down public transport and forcing residents into shelters. President Xi Jinping ordered soldiers to be deployed to rescue residents and sandbag dikes and levees. While many of its tributaries are at dangerously high levels, dikes and dams on the Yangtze itself have so far held, thanks in part to increased government investment in flood control measures. Anthony Kuhn, NPR News, Beijing. A state of emergency has been declared in parts of Tennessee. Stewart and other counties are grappling with severe floods from heavy rains overnight. Forecasters say they're expecting more rain. Tennessee Emergency Management Agency spokesman Dean Flennerts' crews are performing swift water rescues. It's warning motorists to steer clear of roads in the most vulnerable areas. The U.S. government is investigating Facebook over asset transfers a company appeared to have made to a holding company in Ireland. According to court documents cited in multiple media reports, the Justice Department is suing to force the social media giant to produce documents related to its federal income tax liability in 2010. Law.com reports the IRS believes Facebook understated transfers of intangible property by billions of dollars. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the NPR Shop, where you'll find American-made T-shirts showcasing classic NPR logos from the 70s, the 90s, and today. Pop Culture Happy Hour, Hidden Brain, and other programs are ready to wear at shop.npr.org. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. This is Dr. Jimmy on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. Welcome to the show on this hot, steamy morning already. I think the heat index outside is about 98. I'm drenched walking in here drinking hot coffee, which is not a good judgment call on Dr. Jimmy's part. So we're going to be talking about over-the-counter medications this morning. If you think about it, there's lots of different symptoms that you or your kids can have on a daily basis. Some of those chronic conditions, some of those acute conditions. 
You don't always need a prescription medication to treat those symptoms, particularly if it's a self-limiting condition. That usually means it just gets better on its own uh, with no special treatment. And some of my, my friends usually uh, sort of joke at me. A lot of times in those, in those times when I see their kids, I'll say, well, let's just watch that and maybe take some over-the-counter medications. Um, but what do you do when you walk into that pharmacy and you see row after row of uh, shelves full of over-the-counter medications. It could be quite overwhelming to know which ones, particularly for younger kids, are safe and which ones are effective. One of my pediatric teachers, uh, Dr. Joe Donaldson, uh, told us uh, you know, a long time ago, I can remember him observing him and his interaction with patients and their families, saying, you know, if cough medications worked, if there was one that worked, you wouldn't see 50 out there, different brands. Uh, so there's a reason for that sometimes. And there's a lot of truth to that with a lot of over-the-counter medications. So which ones are safe? Are there some that are dangerous for your kids? Uh, these are some of the things we're going to be talking about. And just to pick out a couple of common ones uh, that are out there. Um, other things in the news, I'm sure you've been listening to uh, to what's going on in the summertime uh, health-related. Certainly there's lots of other uh, crazy news out there, uh, sort of dramatic uh, bad news out there today. But, uh, you know, this is the summertime, particularly in the south. We have lots of mosquitoes out there. This is really getting into the season where mosquitoes seem to take over uh, our the landscape of our homes and where we go. So you need to watch out for a couple of different things. We've certainly had West Nile in Mississippi for a long time. It's what we call endemic now, which means... It's not just people that get it elsewhere and bring it in, but it is uh, here in the state. Um, And we keep having a couple of new cases pop up. I think there are five total cases this year, not as many as we used to have, but still it can be uh, a serious illness, particularly for younger kids, for those who are immunocompromised, if they're adults or children who are getting chemotherapy or other drugs to suppress the immune system, and then the elderly. So you want to be careful outside. I think sometimes in Mississippi we get a little uh, used to going outside and not putting on mosquito repellent. I know I'm guilty of this from time to time, but certainly you need to protect yourself out there. And then a new thing, we've had a couple of cases, as you've probably heard, of the Zika virus, which is not endemic in Mississippi, meaning that you have to contract this outside the state and then bring it inside the state. It is a virus that's transmitted by mosquitoes, and the big scare with this virus, which is a a real threat, is that there's a high risk in pregnant women of the babies having microcephaly, which is a birth defect which causes the brain not to mature correctly, Uh, and I'm sure you've seen some pictures of that, um, unfortunately, of of those babies that are affected. Now, you can protect yourself against mosquitoes, and uh, basically, if those mosquitoes, um, you know, if if you're protecting yourself in the same way you would for West Nile and other mosquito bites, you can decrease the transmission. The thing that's different about Zika is somebody who is infected with it can transmit it uh, through sexual transmission. So uh, even if you contract it, say you go on a a mission trip to uh, the Caribbean and contract Zika, you might not even know that you have it. Some people, particularly adults with uh, competent, normally functioning immune systems, they may contract Zika and come back with no symptoms or little symptoms, uh, they could potentially transmit that uh, sexually 
for about six months after that. So you have to be careful about that. And and then uh, the big scare is, if will it become endemic um, by mosquito transfer? So if you have somebody that was infected, they get bit by a mosquito here in Mississippi, particularly the mosquitoes that can transmit the virus. And then if it, uh, you know, if it spreads wide enough, then we'd have it here, which, again, potentially biggest biggest worry is against uh, those birth defects. So protect yourself outside uh, from mosquitoes and the heat. Also, certainly seen a couple of cases of uh, kids, pets that are inside a, a car. Certainly don't want to ever uh, do that. Please double check your vehicles before you get out. Don't even think twice about taking your kids out of that vehicle. Um, and then make sure they're, they're safe. Uh, and if you're going to be outside, make sure you have appropriate sunscreen or uh, a hat or clothing to uh, to cover up, uh, seek the shade, and uh, drink plenty of fluids out there, too, because you can get dehydrated. And a lot of people having kidney stones. The number to call today if you have a question or a comment about anything related to your health, but in particular about over-the-counter medications, is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. So over-the-counter medications. If you think about it, uh, there's a lot more over-the-counter medications out there. And depending on how you define usages of those compared to prescription medications, and of course there are other drugs and uh, non-medications that are out there. We certainly caffeine is probably worldwide the most popular drug of anybody. It does have effects on uh, the human body on the nervous system in particular for alertness and awakefulness. Um, so that's that's something that's out there. And then recreational drugs certainly can interact not just with, you know, on their own, but if you're taking other medications, they can interact with those. Uh, and there's, there's other problems with medication usage, uh, particularly sharing of medications. A lot of patients uh, will get, um, a lot of kids and adults will sometimes get medications that are prescription for a very narrow um, reason that they're given to people, they may share those with somebody else and have a reaction um, or an interaction with what they're taking. So cough and cold medications, that's a big one if you think about it. So there's tons of those out there. And as I mentioned before, the reason that there's a lot of them out there, honestly, is because they don't work very well. Um, Prior to about uh, five or six years ago, uh, we had a lot more of these, particularly for younger kids uh, and, uh, and even for babies that we used uh, to try to control some of those symptoms. But when you really looked at it in a lot of the medical literature, when they've, they've looked at the actual decrease of symptoms that's observed by parents, and when you looked at the kids themselves, most of these medications didn't do very well, particularly under the age of two, and they can potentially cause a lot of harm in them. Um, certainly there are some uh, adult medications that are common uh, that contain certain ingredients that might harm children, one of those being aspirin. So I, actually I was uh, talking to a patient today, a patient's mom today, about aspirin. She was asking about aspirin and why we don't give aspirin to kids, uh, although it's given to adults both as a prescription medication and as over-the-counter for various reasons. So the main reason is the incidence of Rye syndrome uh, in patients that are taking aspirin uh, Rye syndrome is a neurologic condition, unfortunately, that affects uh, kids uh, usually who are infected with a virus. The most common virus that they're infected with at the same time is the flu. Um, we generally do not recommend aspirin products to kids with the exception. There's a couple of 
uh, inflammatory autoimmune diseases that we do uh, for a very specific reason do that. But we uh, we really uh, you know make sure those kids are immunized against the flu at the same time, and then caution them about some of the symptoms of Ross syndrome. So aspirin products really should not be given to kids. Now it's not just over the counter aspirin uh, by itself, but there are some combinations of medications that you really have to look at the label. Uh, aspirin, the long fancy doctor name for that is uh, acetosalicylic acid or ASA. Uh, no, you have to say that really three times real fast. You do need your coffee and your caffeine as a medication to say that fast. Acetosalicylic acid. So ASA or aspirin products, so BC powders. Sometimes there are combinations of those that are marketed under different names. So you definitely don't want to give those to kids uh, at least under the age of 16, but probably under the age of 18 just to be sure. So that's a that's one that you have to watch out for. So do read the labels on the side of that and ask your pharmacist. That's what they're there for. If you uh, if you you know pick up a medication, don't just go to the front and buy it, but uh, ask the pharmacist. Hey, would this be uh, safe for my four year old to take? Would this be safe for my twelve year old to take? Under two years of two years of age for cough and cold medications, we really don't recommend uh, an over the counter or really uh, prescription medications, many of them, under two years of age. Now, if your child is coughing from allergies, a lot of times we will use antihistamines that don't have a decongestant in them. Usually the way you can look at that is uh, the the most common ones out there. There's the sedating antihistamines, which is Benadryl, uh, Dramamine. Um, There is the non-sedating ones, which is usually Zyrtec or Claritin or Allegra. All three of the non-sedating ones, the Zyrtec, Claritin, and Allegra, they do have a decongestant that's in there sometimes uh, to help dry up those secretions, uh, to help break up some of those secretions with antihistamine. And that's that's really dangerous, uh, particularly for kids. Now, sometimes over the age of, of six months to a year, we'll have one of those non-sedating um, medications. But really, you probably should be getting that as a prescription form that's very clear on how much your child can take because those do have uh, some side effects as well. And if you uh, overdose on those, you know, that that can certainly be be something that you have to watch out for. So less than two years of age, over-the-counter cough and cold medications really don't need to be to be messing with those. Uh, most companies have limited those all the way up to four years of age after the FDA put out the warnings after seeing some uh, kids in that age range that had a lot of problems. So really cough and cold medications to be absolutely safe over-the-counter uh, don't do them unless they're over. Don't get them if they're uh, over unless they're over four years of age. And if your child does have other medical problems, it's always a good idea just to call your doctor's office. They usually have somebody on call who can answer those types of questions, uh, or ask your pharmacist at the pharmacy. Would this be safe in my child? We're talking about over-the-counter medications and their uses and abuses and side effects today. If you have a question or comment about that or anything related to the health of your child or family, please call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about over-the-counter medications.
The new MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, host of Southern Remedy for Women, here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy. Yes, it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new MPB car tag. It's the latest way you can support Mississippi Public Broadcasting continue the mission of educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. This epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about over-the-counter medications this morning. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to get to a couple of callers in just a second. But the number to call if you have a question about anything related to the health of your children or family is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.com. Dot org. Let's go to Kelly and Picayune. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, how are you doing? My question is, uh, and I think I know the answer, is over-the-counter medicines, generic brands versus name brands. From my understanding, if you look at the back of the box where it says the active ingredient, such as generic brand, 200 milligrams of ibuprofen, if there's a name brand Motrin and the active ingredient is 200 milligrams of ibuprofen, the cheaper brand would do the same thing and, and make you know have the same good effect. Is that true? Yeah, that's a great question, Kelly. So, uh, name brand. You know, usually when a medication first comes out, the brand name is the company that's marketing that to begin with. After that patent runs up, that's when you have the generic medications come in. Now, in particular, about the ones you mentioned, so things like ibuprofen, Tylenol. Um, that's, that's exactly right. They work just the same way. It may look different. Um, most of the time, the milligrams, particularly on those type medications are the same. Uh, but even though the pill may be different, it might be a capsule. There's lots of different ways to prepare some of those medications, but in general, those are safe to take and you're you're not going to, you know, get any better effect from getting the name brand that's, that's higher price. Right. I know people who believe that they swear, and I think it's a placebo effect, they think that Advil, the name brand Advil, oh, it works better for me than that generic ibuprofen. And I, I don't argue with them, but I just assume that it's... Yeah, I don't, um, I don't argue with them either, Kelly. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my approach to that is if it works best for you, that's great. But, it's, you know, yeah. scientifically speaking, if it, um, you know, there's no... You don't have to do to always get the name brand. I know a lot of people like to do that. A lot of my patients say, "I just want name brand. I don't want any generics." Um, right. I usually warn them, "Okay, that's you know, tell them about the same thing." But now there are certain medications that uh, you may notice a difference in. So, and those are mainly prescription medications. 
And that, and that has to do uh, with the preparation of that. It's not as, as tightly regulated. One of the most common ones is um, synthetic thyroid hormone. So Synthroid, uh, which would be the brand name of that, there's Levothyroxine, which is the, the um, uh, generic brand name. That doesn't always equate to the same milligram uh, uh Efficacy, it doesn't work exactly the same, even though it's at the same milligram. So you do have to be careful with those. Uh, but as far as over-the-counter medications, generally speaking, one's going to work just as well as the other. Pain is a funny thing, though. Like some people swear by, if you look at the, the literature on pain control of Tylenol versus ibuprofen for uh, arthralgia pain, like pain in the bones or pain in the muscle, aches and pains, a lot of people will sort of veer towards the NSAIDs, which would have, you know, Advil, right. Motrin, and, and those, ibuprofen, um, and say they work better than Tylenol. If you look right. at the literature, it's exactly the same. So, really? yeah, it's it's really interesting. Pain, everybody's perception of pain is a little bit different. And yeah. uh, just like you said, I mean, it's not worth haggling over on those kinds yeah. of things. But if if you can save some money here and there, particularly, you know, prescription medications or generic medications aren't necessarily the cheapest ones either. Yeah. Um, well, it's just for my own personal, like, uh, for my sons, you know, they're, they've they grown up. But when we were younger, uh, when they were younger, they were over the age of four, you know. But, but to give them something like, let's say when they were teens, to give them ibuprofen, I would give them generic you know, as sure, well, sure. because I knew that it worked just as well and, and yeah. they didn't have the placebo effect issue. But I don't, I'm not asking the questions, like you said, to argue with people if it works for them and they think it does, then that's fine. Sure, But sure. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. Thank well, you. Thank you for calling. Yeah, that's a great question about generics versus uh, non-generics. Wouldn't make a plug about Advil and ibuprofen, so we don't recommend that in kids less than six months of age. So if you're treating fever, uh, or pain, uh, Tylenol is the is the one to go to less than six months of age, and that has to do with some of the side effects of ibuprofen in younger kids. So, but otherwise, it should be should be good to go. And generics work just fine uh, compared to other things. Not not necessarily the cheapest all the time. You sort of have to shop around, and uh, I tell people to do that even with their prescription medications, depending on which pharmacy they're going to. We're talking about over the counter medications this morning. Uh, if you'd like to call and ask us a question about that or any other issues related to the health of your children or family, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Kenneth in Mobile. Good morning, Kenneth. Yes, can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you for calling. All right, thank you for taking the call. Hey, I got a, we're headed on a cruise uh, on Saturday, and we have an 11-month-old, and we have a 10-year-old, and uh, a couple of teenagers. And uh, they've Bless you. Bless you. Do you have help? <laughs> um, yes, we've got, it's, it's a family trip, so I've got plenty Great. of help. Grandmothers, aunt, everybody. But the issue I have is uh, the kids have never been on a boat before, so I don't know how they're going to act with the motion and whatnot, and I just wanted to know what should I be looking out for as a warning sign and if there's anything over the counter I can bring with me. Uh, how big a boat is this? Is this like a cruise ship? Yes, this is about as big as they get. This is that uh, Triumph. Okay, and this is in the Caribbean, I'm assuming? 
Yes. It's okay. Down to Mexico. Okay. Uh, most of those bigger ships, they don't move around too much. There may be a little bit of gentle motion back and forth, but uh, the biggest things, you know, you have to watch out for, and you might tell your older kids this, if they uh, get outside on deck and their vision, you know, if they fix on one thing or sometimes people will look to the side and basically the information that your brain's getting from your eyes doesn't match up with what it's feeling from your inner ear, uh, which those are two different mechanisms to control your balance in space, um, not outer space, but general space. Um, so, uh, you know, those are, those are some of the problems that, that uh, come up. Um, generally speaking, they should be fine. And particularly, you know, if it's multi-day, the first day they may have a little bit of that, uh, you know, feeling of unsteadiness, but that usually goes away after 24 hours, particularly after you sleep overnight on the, on the ship. If they do have problems, uh, the 10-year-old, and in particular the adolescent, should be okay. There are a couple of over-the-counter medications that are used. They all have side effects. Um, one of the more popular ones with older teens and adults is scopolamine. So it's a scopolamine patch. Uh, I, 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 if it were me and my family, I wouldn't recommend that. I might take a couple, uh, you know, particularly for the adults, but... Uh, you can have some visual changes and have some sleepiness with that, um, uh, with, with, with the patch. It works pretty well though. So you, you place it just behind the ear or somewhere in the general vicinity, right behind the ear, uh, about 12 hours before you, you, uh, um, um, cast off and then, uh, leave it on. It, it stays on for 24 hours and you can put multiple ones on if it's longer than that. Uh, Dramamine's been used too. It's over the counter. Um, probably uh, pretty safe. The only side effect with Dramamine would be sleepiness, um, and that would be safe for particularly for the adolescents. But not, you know, younger than ten and ten year old uh, probably wouldn't do that, and they usually do okay though. Um, okay. And uh, babies, you know, young young kids do all right uh, most of the time. And those bigger ships, the only thing I would worry about, unless it's really bad weather. I mean, that's that's really the only. Um, thing I would worry about, but they're so big now. They, they the stabilizers they have on those bigger ships, uh, you ought to be fine. I'd worry more about the adults than I would the kids, honestly. Okay. All uh, right. Well, thanks for taking my sure. call. I really appreciate it. Have a good trip. Okay. We're talking about over-the-counter medications this morning on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. If you have a question or a comment, please call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. There is nothing more miserable though being out on the ocean uh, and seasick. So I've I've been out on a couple of trips in the Gulf fishing and uh, had the first couple of times I went uh, no problems whatsoever. Even you know going further out, uh, but then there was one trip, one trip that there was a little rough weather. We were probably on about a forty foot boat. And uh, that's all it took for Dr. Jimmy to uh, take something on subsequent trips. Uh, did go to, to Alaska with my with my buddy, Dr. Chris Henry, who's a dentist up there. And we were on a little boat in Kodiak and had some rough weather. But it was near the end of the trip, so we had actually been sleeping on a boat uh, for four days. And uh, coming back after that amount of time, you can sort of get used to it if you're if you're on there. And again, that's, you know, the physiologically the reason behind that is your body gets sort of tricked because it's getting some information from your inner ear that's saying I'm moving, but your eyes don't really quite, you know, you, 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 there's different tricks you can do. If you're looking to the side, it doesn't really 
really jive with what your brain's uh, getting as far as signals from your inner ear. But if you look, usually if you look straight ahead and fix on a distant point, uh, you do better uh, than looking down at the waves. Uh, that's not a good idea. Uh, sometimes it's not a good idea to close your eyes either. So if you have a, a far enough point, you can do that uh, in front of you, in front of where you're going. But those bigger ships, they usually do okay. So over-the-counter medications. What about baby over-the-counter medications? So there's a lot of stuff that babies do. Some of it is natural. Some of it's not. So na- Or at least it's uncomfortable. It's natural, but it's not things that we enjoy. Gas being one of those. Certainly uh, good parents worry about their kids even when they're healthy. Uh, that's, that's a general, you know, uh, statement about all good parents. So when they come into the office and they're saying, my baby has gas, um, all babies have gas and they do crazy stuff. Everyone's a little different too. So even if you have three or four kids that you've already had, this one may have gas more than the other ones. Um, they do several different things when they have gas. So sometimes, particularly if they're having a bowel movement, they may strain, they may turn purple or deep red when they strain down. Those are all natural things. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, patients will come in, patients, families will come in and and they'll say, my child is constipated because they're straining, but their stools are soft. They're just straining. So it's not because of constipation. Now, if you look on the shelves for things like gas, there are a ton of medications out there, Milicon drops and others, uh, that are uh, usually the main ingredient in those is simethicone. Um, simethicone is probably one of the most expensive medications over the counter you can buy per volume because usually it's just a couple of drops that they recommend and that stuff ain't cheap. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't work very well at all. So there's two reasons why babies have gas. Uh, one is they gulp air. So if they're particularly, if they're aggressive feeders, if they're breastfeeding early on and they don't get a good latch because they're learning how to do it, mom's learning how to do it maybe for the first time, they can um, swallow air. That air can either come back up or it can go down through the rest of the GI tract. And the other way that they can have air is through the digestion of what they're eating. So uh, all of us have normal bacteria in our gut. Babies have not quite the same. Uh, they they populate their gut pretty soon after birth. They start to do that, but it does change over time. And uh, that gas, uh, it's really amazing the sounds that they can make uh, that small. Sometimes patients will come in sometimes and say, "This I know this is not this is not normal because my baby sounds a lot louder than my teenager when they pass gas." But um, that's because it's a woodwind instrument. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, the way that that, uh, air is coming out of them is just right to make a louder noise. It doesn't necessarily mean it's more air. It just sounds that way. So, uh, that's one of the reasons why, but gas is something that's normal. Uh, none of those medications really, if you use them as, as they're recommended over the counter for gas and babies, none of them are going to cause any problems, but they're probably not going to work too well. And most of those issues work themselves out over time. Although, as the parent of two teenagers, I will tell you that some teens uh, still make a lot of gas, and they like to make a lot of gas, uh, particularly in inappropriate times. So if that's there's nothing you can give them uh, besides uh, social situations where they might be embarrassed, uh, and even then they're going to have that gas. Fussiness, there's not really any medications out there for baby fussiness. Certainly colic. There's a lot of uh, over-the-counter medication. Gripe water is one of them. 
uh, interesting names for a lot of these too. So gripe water uh, has lots of different stuff in it, sort of to calm the GI tract. Nobody knows what causes colic. Um, it usually is self-limiting. It takes a long time to get over, usually six to eight weeks. Um, and um, a lot of it has to do with just temperament of that particular baby versus how mom and dad and others that are taking care of them are interacting with them. Uh, it is incredibly frustrating. It is not certainly something that should be blown off by your physician. If you feel that way, get another doctor uh, because it can it can keep you up. And some of the most frustrated parental situations are from uh, you know kids that ha- that come in and their parents are worried about colic. Now, sometimes you can take certainly again that gripe water. Not going to hurt them if you use it like that. There are some uh, some sort of home remedies that a lot of people do. Uh, sugar water shouldn't be doing that. Uh, there are some complications with sugar water, and it can produce more gas because you're giving them sugar in their digestive tract, which bacteria break down and produce gas as a byproduct. Uh, so just keep that in mind. You know, that's not something you should do. Babies, particularly babies um, under one year of age, they don't need water. Um, uh, certainly babies don't need juice b- before at really at all, but if you're going to give it, uh, you shouldn't really give it below age six to nine months. Um, just ask your doctor about that, about what's, what's appropriate. Um, but juices, water, they can actually do some damage, particularly with smaller babies. So I know there's a lot of, you know, uh, home remedies that people do, but you can get into, uh, some big problems with doing that. All they need when they're that young is either breast milk or formula, um, constipation, I mentioned, is a problem um, with some babies. So constipation usually, mo- it doesn't necessarily mean how often they're having a bowel movement. Uh, it is how often they're having it with, is the stool hard? And this may seem sort of funny. This is my individual's you know, way of, of asking about this. But I usually ask the parent, okay, if we're dealing with constipation, if you picked up the stool and threw it up against the wall. Don't do this, but if you could do that, would it bounce off the wall or would it stick to the wall? And if it bounces off the wall, that might be constipation. Again, some babies have bowel movements, particularly over the age of you know one or two months. They develop a pattern, just like adults and children have patterns, and they um, may go even one, two, even three or four days without a bowel movement. As long as it's soft, usually that's okay. Uh, when they have those. There are some situations where they might have a hard plug and they're stooling around it and it might be softer. They might even present with diarrhea. Um, again, you want to you wanna be sure you're asking your physician about what's appropriate. There are some over-the-counter medications. Um, Miralax is one that is that used to be prescription and now is over-the-counter that is uh, pretty well and uh, uh, pretty safe to use in, in kids um, for constipation. Milk of magnesia, it, it can be safe to use, but not, not in younger kids. So if you're, if you're thinking about, um, you know, less than three months of age, you really should be uh, talking to your physician about that, about what's appropriate and in what amounts to. Uh, I know a lot of people think, okay, if a little bit's working, let's give more. Not always the right thing to do, particularly with kids. We're talking about over-the-counter medications on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We'd love to hear your questions or comments that you have about any kind of medication issues or other health issues affecting you or your family. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. 
or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. More than two centuries ago, the first American president took office. And next year, the 45th will take office. Follow history in the making. Right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sharita Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about over-the-counter medications this morning. What's appropriate, what's not? What are some of the side effects and the most common ones? That's some good calls so far. The number to call if you have a question or a comment about over-the-counter medications or the health of your children or family is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Maurice in Arizona. Good morning, Maurice. Good morning, Maurice in Belzona. Belzona. I thought, wow, I don't know how they're calling from Arizona, but uh, uh, no, it might feel like, actually, it's probably hotter in Belzona, I think, than, than Arizona right now. Uh, yes, it is. I believe it is. Okay. Well, well it, look, thank you for my, calling. Yes, sir. My question is, I was under the doctor and they gave me a prescription for, uh, they wanted to give me ibuprofen, but I believe in Aleve. I buy Aleve. And I asked them about using Aleve, and they turned around and gave me a prescription for uh, the, the naproxen. Right, right. And I just wondered, what's the difference? So there's really not much of a difference. So the difference there is, so the naproxen would be the generic, and the Aleve would be the brand name. Uh, although some people, and we mentioned this early in the program, uh, you might not have called it, but bas- basically it's the same active ingredient. Now it can, it can vary in what it looks like. Like it'll, sometimes it'll be a pill in a capsule or a different size pill. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual ingredient in there, the active ingredient that's actually doing what it's, you know, what it's prescribed for would be that naproxen. Uh, and and it should work just as well as Aleve. Although some patients, you know, they claim, they say, hey, look, I've tried it. Aleve works better. Uh, if that's the case, I usually just say, well, and, you know, I'll just write the, the, uh, the brand name, although it might be uh, more expensive. So what your doctor's trying to do is probably save you some money in something that well, should. Well, I'll, you know, I, I keep Aleve around the house offline and right, same. Right, right. Uh, but when I went to them for this particular case, Wanted to get my ibuprofen. I told them I prefer a leave. Right. And I have a leave. But when I went to the uh, pharmacy, they had sent me a prescription for a leave along with the other med that they had to dial for. Yeah. And uh, I was just wondering if was there a significant difference uh, uh naproxen versus uh, the Aleve. Yeah, it should, shouldn't be a big difference between those two. Uh, and okay. it, And sometimes, particularly with electronic describing now, it'll automatically default to the to the generic so sometimes we don't catch it when we send that in for refills uh uh-huh. i if i were you i'd just try the generic see if it works the same and if it's cheaper for you uh just stick with that um i'll just let your doctor know you know if it's if the if the brand name if you feel like it's working better it should be the same though should be exactly the same okay and one other question uh-huh. a baby with thrash is uh uh infant less than three months old with thrush, what would you recommend for that? So so thrush is a uh, yeast infection. Usually it does involve younger kids, can involve older kids sometimes, uh, adults, particularly if their immune system goes down. Uh, but in younger kids, nothing really wrong with their immune system most of the time. So it, what it looks like is is white, not right, not milk. That's tongue. usually yeah on the tongue and sometimes on the buccal mucosa. That's just the inside of the mouth, the skin on the inside okay. of the mouth, and it doesn't come off. So it's you know it's it's a white film. It looks like there's something on there. So that's usually a yeast infection. Uh, there are two prescription medications uh, that are used uh, to treat that. One is called nystatin. Uh, nystatin. Mm-hmm, nystatin. And it's usually something that you would just sort of squirt in the mouth. It's a liquid form for that. Okay. For sometimes for infants, particularly as they get older, you, you, you use something called diflucan, but usually nystatin is the Diflu- first line. Okay. Okay. Um, now, some people have, there are a couple of over-the-counter stuff. They'll use, uh, they'll use a purple uh, uh, gentian bl- blue is is one, so it's almost well, it's really purple. But uh, so you sort of coat the tongue with that. It doesn't work really that well. It used to be used a lot. You saw these little babies with purple tongues. That's why. Okay. But nystatin works much better. It's safe uh, to use in you know in most infants. You do need a prescription for both that and the diflucan. So I would just let your doctor know. It's something simple. Takes five minutes to you know to look at and say, yep, that's okay. what you need. All right. All well, right. Thank, thank you so very much for enjoying your program. This thank morning. you. Thank you for listening, for calling this morning. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about over-the-counter medications, and we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment about that, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Kent in Mobile. Good morning, Kent. Good morning. You, you were uh, dealing with seasickness, I, I understand? Well, yeah, I'm responding to the guy earlier who was talking about going on the cruise. Sure. Uh, a few years ago, we were on a whale-watching boat out in Hawaii, and we had a bag of ginger snaps. And uh, ginger seems to be really good at uh, 
dealing with nausea. And so that's kind of a natural way of dealing with it rather than some kind of medication that could have other kind of side effects. Uh, while we were on that boat, uh, I ate a couple of ginger snaps, and we wound up passing them out to eight or ten other passengers on the boat. <laughs> you were the popular, you were the pharmacy there. <laughs> yeah, and, and that worked just fine for most of those people. Yeah, that's that's true. Actually, ginger has been looked at, and it's been known for a long time. They've they've given it to particularly to uh, pregnant women uh, for nausea, particularly you know if they've had it in the first trimester, as a natural remedy to try to get rid of that. And they've actually studied this against some of the more popular, uh, po- uh, more commonly used medications like uh, Finergan is one, and and Zofran is another one that's used and. Uh, you're exactly right, Kent. It works just as well in those situations. It's been used for centuries to try to calm the stomach, particularly if you're nauseated. Uh, so certainly the nausea part of that seasickness, you could you could do that. There's different uh, preparations of that. As with all herbal over-the-counter medications, you you're not going to get you're going to get some standardization. There are some ways to look at the standardization, but. Um, I tell you, I like to use regular ginger. So you can, it's expensive. You can actually grow it in Mississippi. Um, it's like a zone eight or nine plant, but uh, you can grow it, dig up the root, uh, wash it, grate it off, make sure you got the right type of ginger, but it's totally fine to do that and uh, have it fresh. Uh, or if you and like. It makes a nice flower. Yeah, oh, it does. Yeah, you're right. Uh, ginger, you know, uh, sort of a white or yellow flower smells, smells great. Uh, usually blooms around late July or August. So you got. Uh, you got the benefit of having something there you can take for nausea plus a good landscape plant as well. So uh, you're you're right, Kent. That's something that they might want to see, and they probably would have that on the boat. Um, If they have sushi anywhere, you're going to see ginger. That's the the sort of uh, pinkish orange um, grated, um, not really grated. I guess it's sort of sliced thinly that's usually on the plate if you eat sushi. So on a cruise ship, you're probably going to have somewhere where you can get sushi, and they should have some ginger uh, you probably could get it while you're on there and have have fresh ginger on the on the ship. So uh, thanks for sharing that. I'd forgotten about that, but you're you're right. They have looked at that um, in in relationship to you know comparing it to what we have medications, and it works pretty well. All right, let's go to Cynthia in Paris, Mississippi. We've gone from Arizona, which was really Belzona, to Paris, Mississippi. <laughs> Tell me where Paris is. It's 15 miles south of Oxford, Mississippi. Okay. Okay, so I've certainly been been in the, in the area. I'm familiar with. I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Paris, Texas, for a while, right outside of Dallas, Fort Worth area. But uh, wasn't familiar with Paris, Mississippi. So thanks for calling, Cynthia. What question do you have? Okay, uh, it's Jensen Violet. What you were thinking of a That's minute it. ago? I said blue, but you're right. It was violet. Yeah, and then um, what can you do if people are lactose? Well, children are lactose intolerant. Uh, what age are we talking about? Uh, probably under two. Yeah. Okay. So if they're over one, there are some some uh, milk substitutes, and certainly, you know, lactose intolerance is a common thing. Usually presents with bloating, diarrhea. Um, maybe increased gas production. You can develop that over time. In fact, uh, a lot of people develop that as they get older uh, just because you lose the ability to break down lactose, which is one of the sugars in milk, in cow's milk. Um, there are some, uh, the biggest, uh, the, the reason why we use milk after, um, you know, age one 
uh, for a nutritional uh, part of the of nutritional diet that a child should get is because of protein, calcium, vitamin D. There's lots of good things in milk that are good for them. However, if they have problems with it, there's other sources of that. Certainly, you can get calcium from other sources. Uh, a lot of people nowadays are using soy milk. So soy has uh, certainly the soy milk, the way it's made, has calcium in it. It tends to taste a little bit sweeter to most people than regular milk, and kids certainly like that. Um, and uh, they, you really, you don't need a whole lot of it a day. Um, so, you know, two or three glasses a day should be fine uh, for, for children to get that calcium or vitamin D. And then there's other sources too. Leafy green vegetables, a lot of those will have calcium. Certainly kids, uh, particularly, you know, over age one, tend to be a little bit more picky about what they eat. So sometimes it's a challenge in getting that. Some some kids and adults uh, will have um, more problems with, with milk and less problems with cheese or uh, yogurt. Um, they, are, they do make lactose-free uh, yogurt too, and uh, that'd be a good source of uh, both protein and of um, of calcium for them to eat. So, um, yeah, you have to be a little bit creative in those situations. As they get older, if they just love milk or ice cream and they want to eat it, there's there's lactate uh, tablets or capsules that you can take that actually have that enzyme that breaks down uh, lactose. So if they you know they're going to a party, uh, you're going to eat a lot of ice cream, and you definitely want to you know you want to uh, not not have to not eat anything, so that's that's one one way you do it. But that's mainly for older kids that you might want to do that. But common thing, there are other alternatives out there. Have y'all tried anything? Um, uh, well, I was wondering about goat's milk. Does that have the same properties as cow milk? Yeah, some of the yeah, some of those it it is deficient in a couple of things. If they're eating a balanced diet, particularly over the age of one, though, I mean, you don't want goat's milk as the only source of nutrition that they're getting. So, but if they're you know if they're over age one, they're eating other foods. Uh, certainly, that'd be that'd probably be fine to at least try and see um, if if that would be an alternative. Um, well, thank you so much. Sure, sure. Thanks for calling and and uh, correcting me on the gentian violet. I said blue. Maybe I'm mentally colorblind this morning. It might be the heat. We're talking about over-the-counter medications this morning and what's out there. What can you treat your kids with? Um, stomach issues, there's a lot of that, not just lactose intolerance, but a lot of different uh, stomach issues. We talked about constipation and stool softeners. Laxatives, generally we don't give those to kids too much, particularly the ones that sort of stimulate the gut because you can get dependent upon that. Um, um, uh, Miralax that I, that I mentioned earlier is one, I didn't really mention how that works, but when you take it, it basically, it pulls water into the stool, uh, to make it, uh, softer. And, um, none of the Miralax is actually, it's a great medication because none of it's absorbed. It goes straight through, uh, the GI tract. It just pulls water into that space. Certainly water is a great way to treat uh, certain uh, that in fiber is two very natural ways to treat constipation in kids. Again, it can be sort of a um, uh, challenge to get them to to eat those things sometimes. But stimulants that really move things along that a lot of times you'll see in adults, we really don't recommend that. Probiotics is another one that I get a lot of questions about. So probiotics are certain bacteria. Uh, and substances that are thought to increase the health of the normal flora that normally grows in the GI tract. 
Um, there's there've actually been a good bit of research in this with kids, particularly kids that have GI problems already. So if you have uh, Crohn's disease, if you have ulcerative colitis, uh, they've looked at this and uh, to try to change some of the normal or some of the bacteria that you find in stool to a more normal physiologic um, um, bacteria. Um, and that can take time. Again, when kids are born, their stools don't have any bacteria in them. That would be dangerous in the womb. Once they start having stools, very quickly they populate their gut uh, with bacteria, and they need to uh, of proper ones. Um, but you don't need to necessarily give them that. Even if you give probiotics right after birth to babies, it really doesn't change much about what happens. They have looked at that. But later on, it, it might if they have other problems. Generally, under, under the age of one, I wouldn't say mess with the probiotics unless your physician tells you otherwise. Uh, after that, they're not going to hurt. So you can certainly do that. Um, and acids, again, you want to stay away from, uh, generally speaking. Um, summer's here. I should mention we got a couple of minutes left and maybe time for one more caller if you've got a burning question to uh, to ask us. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 But summertime, allergies are just terrible in Mississippi. We know that. We deal with it every year, but it seems like every year it's, uh, it's uh, miserable out there. This time of year, grass season, a lot of grass pollens that are floating around. Uh, people react to these, particularly if you have allergies with sneezing, um, with uh, skin rashes. So what's out there quickly that, uh, that you can go to, to to try to treat some of those? A lot of anti-itch creams that are out there, hydrocortisone over the counter. Be careful with doing that a lot. Nasal sprays work good if they're just nasal saline, unless your physician says otherwise. Well, unfortunately, that's uh, all the time we have today. We would uh, love to hear some emails, though. If you've got any questions, you can still email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We thank you for calling. It's a, um, always a pleasure to hear from our listeners that can uh, share their information with the rest of us. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. recently diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. Those of you who've been listening to the news are probably totally confused about breast cancer and breast cancer screening. What choices exist to detect breast cancer? Is there a right way to fight it? The option that was presented to me by my surgeon was lumpectomy. Learn more in an MPB Southern Remedy documentary special, A Plan to Survive, July 14th at 7 on MPB TV. This is Scott Beretta, host of Highway 61. Each week on the show, we explore a different aspect of the blues tradition. Join me every Saturday night at 10 p.m. and Sunday at 6 p.m. here on MPB. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue Mobile app. More at bcbsms.com.
With abundant sunshine and a little bit of a southwest breeze, the temperature soaring into the upper 90s in Jackson, I wouldn't be surprised uh, at all to see a 100 degree reading somewhere today. And uh, of course, the heat in